This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives, with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Matt Connell, we are back in the studio on a bit of a winterous morning. Morning, lads. Morning. It's getting colder. It is getting colder. Yep. But that's what happens at winter, I think. It's freezing. It's freezing in this room. You just turn the heater off and you just feel the temperature dropping. It's dropping. Yeah. Well, that's so that we don't go on too long because Mm. once we start shivering. Ah, that's our, yeah, that's the natural timer. It's the natural timer. It's good. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you back with us as we continue our uh, study and work through uh, a Christian worldview. And uh, we've been, man, through a heap of topics. We've been sitting here today, actually, just before we started recording, kind of trying to figure out what we have and haven't already talked mm. about to make sure that we're, you know, heading in some direction here. But um, man, there's been so many uh, great topics and great yeah. conversations come up. But today, Matt, we're going to continue on from really essentially uh, the human predicament. We're going to yeah. continue on that journey coming out of understanding what's broken about who we mm. are and where we are and, mm. and what there is that we can do about it, if there's anything we can do about mm. it, and and how our Christian faith leans into that. So. Yeah. I, I I was listening to a book, and, and when I say listen, I listen to a lot of uh, audio books. I, I love uh, I love listening to audio, particularly, particularly novels where you have a really good reader. Uh, it's a wonderful way to experience a book. But anyway, I, I listened to a book that I had uh, read before many, many years ago. It's a book uh, written in the 18th century by Voltaire uh, called Candide. It's, the title is Candide or Optimism. And it's basically a book that just destroys optimism. And and, and it's destroying a particular kind of optimism. This does relate, by the way. <laughs> Guys, I, so this is what we're going to be doing No, today. no, no, no. But it's really <laughs> interesting. It's just because it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, uh, it's right. really interesting because uh, there was a philosopher called uh, called Spinoza, it's not Spinoza, Leibniz. I'm getting my philosophers mixed up. I'm, I don't know that much about Leibniz, but, I, but he had this idea that it, as a way of kind of defending God and, and this, this practice of sort of defending God in light of the problem of evil is known as theodicy. And, and it's something that's famously problematic, like why do we even need to really defend God? It kind of goes back to the book of Job, uh, you know, where you have Job's friends and mm-hmm. they're trying to, you know, they're trying to defend God, basically. And in the end, God sort of says, no, thanks very much, but I don't need your defense, actually. <laughs> you know, you don't need to actually understand, uh, and, and, and nor do you need to convince others that mm-hmm. what I do always makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Uh, Leibniz offers this sort of argument that says, you know, that that we live in the best of all possible worlds. And what he means is that that this is pretty much as good as it possibly could have been, all things considered with, you know, human beings having free will and, and you know, and things were bound to go wrong. Pretty much with all of the essentials in there, this is as be- as good as it, you know, could be. And so everything is for the best is, is kind of the uh, this idea that, that Voltaire takes on and just rips to pieces. And he's such a, he, he's got so much wit and humor and sarcasm. Like he's just bitingly sarcastic. And, and he tells this story uh, of this character Candide, you know, who goes on this, on this journey and, uh, and all of these things that happen and the people, and it's just one. And, and he, passes through lots of disasters that happened during that, you know, great, the, uh, the Lisbon, great Lisbon earthquake and the uh, horrific wars and, and just, mm. you know, this, a litany of 
senseless, senseless suffering, you know, mm. and, and completely in this way. But, you know, but hey, you know, it's all everything is for the best, right? You know, and mm. it's so it's incredibly sarcastic mm. sort of um, jab at that at that idea, because essentially, I think, you know, it sounds like he's kind of saying this is just in this is an insane world and there's so much gratuitous evil that it, it, it's all kind of senseless. And, and you know, he, he doesn't really have – there's no sort of light at the end of the tunnel in the book. But it's interesting because one of the things that he, he also shows is that even those who are better off aren't really better off. You know, so, you know, they the, the characters, you know, meet with someone that they think is the happiest person in, in the world, right? And they go and – and they, oh, isn't this wonderful God? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. You know, oh, but all these love, great books, nah, nah, they're all – and he's really bored of everything. You know, he just yeah. – and, and, and he feels that everything could be better than it is. And, and it's – it you know, he's got this discontentment. And so it's this kind of scenario. Anyway, at one part of the book, uh, they discover this place in – in somewhere in South America, you know, the, the, this El Dorado, the, the sort of um, famed kind of u- u- utopia, this, this, you know, hemmed in by mountains that no one can de- get to. But they discover the perfect civilization, right? And, you know, it's like everyone is – the kids are playing with – um, with diamonds, you know, ch- chucking diamonds. It's really, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a fanciful story, but he's exercising an idea. Anyway, so they come there and everyone is just so happy and, and it's just the, this perfect sort of heavenly state, right? But the, char- but the characters, um, Candide and, uh, and it's his servant with him, nice. you know, they think, you'd think, well, they would stay there, right? But they are thinking, oh, but if we take all just a fraction of this wealth right we could go back home and be so much wealthy you know what i mean and have so much power compared to the other people around us and they just can't resist the temptation mm. to not live in that land to take that wealth and to go out right. because that would make them by comparison feel really good and wealthy and powerful and so you know in the story they they take the wealth and they go and they, and of course they lose it and all they get robbed by pirates <laughs> that's all these terrible things happen and in the end they end up with nothing you know and and they're thinking why did we leave that place and and it's it's almost this kind of garden of eden sort of scenario where they where they leave the garden because they're reaching for this kind of power this anyway it's it's a wonderful it's a short it's a short novel but it's you know, it's a it's a real jab at any sense of kind of worldly optimism. Uh, now, it's it's also you know, and 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 Voltaire was a sort of famous skeptic, so it's a bit of a jab at any well, any defence of yeah. you know how can now. And I think what we've done in these episodes is shown actually no, it is really bad mm. actually, and the real the real badness is a result of the choices that an empowered humanity made, mm. and the dominoes fell. Yeah, and uh, could you? Could you say even with that story that even if we could build for ourselves the world that we thought we wanted or or, or could even, you know, like kindle, you know, p- pieces of that in our yeah. world that we just end up <clears throat> immediately corrupting it. We yeah, would. Anyway. Absolutely. We would. Well, that reminds me of another of an, of another uh, novel uh, by Dostoevsky called The Dream of a Ridiculous Man, right. where he... We're, we're a man who loses all hope, you know, in, in this world, has this, he's, you know, he's about to do away with himself, and but he procrastinates, he falls asleep. And he goes to a, a replica, like a, a, 
a copy of Planet Earth that hasn't experienced the fall. And I mean, the first thing is that he describes that what that would have. It's this amazing, this amazing state of harmony and people loving one another. It's actually beautiful, uh, beautiful imaginative picture of what a, a perfect world could look like. And I think I referred to this in a previous episode. But it's interesting what happens, and this is what perhaps I didn't mention in the in a previous episode. Uh, if in fact I did mention that book, uh, but, <laughs> do you I don't think it? you did actually. But that's a good okay. Call. Oh well, you know, it's interesting because he. You know, because he suggests that they had a, a knowledge that's higher than our scientific knowledge, which because we think of scientific knowledge as the greatest Probably. kind of knowledge, yeah, yeah. but in a sense, he sees it as a compensation for something that we lost right. at the fall, right? Okay, uh, because he says there's this kind of relational knowledge, this sense of knowing nature and harmony with nature, and you know, this harmony in a sense gave us the answers that we needed to all of our needs and so we didn't need science you know we didn't need that mm. this sort of interventionist or, or science is trying to control nature uh because we were we were in harmony with it. anyway and, yeah. and we but the point is you know he describes this higher knowledge anyway that's an interesting uh idea there the idea that there is actually a higher form uh of knowledge but yep. anyway in the story he goes that he's, he's just he loves this but you can guess what happens he's he actually corrupts mm. that Mm-hmm. That perfect earth. Yep. And there's there's something about human nature that we will always, we will, you know, the more that we're given, we have a way of corrupting that. You know, I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think of, you know, we were discussing situations yeah. uh, earlier, Stu, with, you know, political leaders yeah. um, who who do really well and, and, and therefore, you know, are uh, entrusted with more and more trust of their population. But then abuse that and become so powerful. Mm. And it's almost like there's a point at which uh, political leaders, when they become so powerful, it, this almost this demonic thing happens and they become insanely megalomaniac, mm. yeah. maniacal, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and it just happens again and again and again, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, and it's been repeated through history yeah. where someone starts really well and they start for the right reasons and serving the people and, but then they accrue so much power and it just goes, it drives them crazy. We want to be God. Yeah, that's right. Because it's, you know, it's that they're getting so close to that, getting a taste of that power. And it's just the, the temptation is yeah. overwhelming. But, at, but at, that, at that kind of level, like a ruler of a, of a nation, it really it stands out really, like it really gets magnified at that mm. level. But if you, anytime that we think, we can harness the tools needed to build a better life for ourselves. Mm. I mean, look at people who win, you know, the lottery and get a million yeah, dollars. that's a good point. There's not mm. many of them that actually end up being glad that they... That's right. So everything that we imagine, the utopia that we could potentially build for ourselves... It's never enough. It's like we're yeah. incapable of ever building the the thing that we kind of are longing for. Yeah. And, and, and that's probably part of the human predicament, which is what we've talked about, yep. that really whatever we do, whatever we build, is always going to be tainted either with our sin or it's going to cause people in their sin to rise up against us. Yep. So it's like we just don't have the right framework yep. to, to work within to allow any kind of yep. utopia, if you want to yeah. stick with that word for now, but that to act, for us to actually build that in society. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think like last time we talked about why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't he fix this problem up? You know, yeah. this isn't, this isn't fair. 
if you actually stand back and look at it, the whole of life, the whole of the society, the whole of the world that we've got is incapable, even if God intervenes yeah. in situations, it's, it's not going to fix any problem yeah. because it's only a temporal thing. And the natural tendency will be for it to almost immediately fall back into yeah. the, the same problems. And the, yeah, exactly. It's not until we actually face yeah. the whole thing needs to be redeemed really yeah that's right yeah and which which we see through the old testament you know where god says he gave them over to their the desires of their hearts you know and in a sense to kind of go the only way for you to actually realize how bad this is for you is to let you go for it and it was the times of greatest blessing that Mm. were Mm. the times when they you know when they turn away i saw a many years ago a documentary that followed the trajectory of lottery winners actually Mm -hmm. and and invariably Mm -hmm. it just they were miserable Mm -hmm. you know and i know it's it's difficult to imagine because we think oh man that'd be it's difficult for us to to imagine that not being an amazing thing and surely i would you know surely no no but i'd be fine yeah but in a way in a way very few people are in in that because there's something about the human heart that just can't really handle that kind of thing you know it's our ability to steward that is just drastically undermined and uh you know and there's a sense in which god gives us what we can what we can handle and and, and often actually always a little bit more than we can handle mm-hmm. well you know and we're, we're constantly sort of keeping up with that but it's an interesting you know that this question of the human heart really is the thing that undermines everything, really. And this is where, you know, redemption is this inside-out uh, thing. It's not about, the it's you know, the, the right political structures because human nature will undermine every political structure there. Yeah. It will undermine. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, the most perfect uh, political structure will always be undermined by mm. human nature. And I think, we you know, we, we've, we've seen that in history and we still see it in our time, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. I think that underscores something really important. Um, you know, we want to talk about God's plan of redemption. The biblical worldview has this wonderful optimism, the, the right kind of optimism to it. You know, we, we are looking, we're looking at and we're participating in what God is doing about things. And that, you know, that process is at work in us. It's at work in the world. And we're looking forward to a redemption, not of just of humanity, but the whole world. And so there is this optimism, this hope, right? You know, hope is, I guess, the source of joy, you know, as we said in previous episode. It is the source of joy in the New Testament. But in order to connect with that, the joy of that hope, we need to wrest ourselves away from the false hopes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you've, false optimism, optimism has to be dashed in order for us to have hope and the right kind of optimism. Mm-hmm. And the kind of optimism that seems ubiquitous to me particularly in our culture is an optimism that uh says you know we'll we'll sort out our own problems we've got the technology human beings will adapt uh yes you know the climate's uh you know going awry and but we'll we'll come up with solutions you know it's and this is the optimism of you know uh, that stephen pinker the, the, the philosopher stephen pinker articulates in his book enlightenment now you know, where he's basically saying, we will sort all these problems out. We've got the wherewithal to do this. We will adapt. We, you know, technology will adapt. And so there's this kind of optimism. Now, it's interesting because uh, another intellectual, uh, Jewish intellectual, Yuval Noah Harari, says the same thing, but he sees problems with that, right? Because he says, you know, that the more our technology grows, 
the more we have to find ways of adapting to that. Like, mm. I think he's a bit more realistic about human nature. He's not quite as uh, as optimistic about human nature. <laughs> uh, I mean, he talks about the the whole project of extending life, right? Which is uh, the Gilgamesh project or yeah, something like that. Something yeah. Like that. You know, he says, so let's, you know, let's say, let's say another 10 or 20 years gets added to the human lifespan and he outlines all of the problems that that would yep. cause. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's a, there's a point where, where I think we are able to solve most of our problems, you know, like it's probably most is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but certainly a lot of big problems that we are able to solve. Mm. But I think what you're saying then is the solution itself becomes a problem. Yeah, that's right. And there's an exponential yeah. at, at, you know, for probably the first part of history, maybe yeah. up until now, we've been able to outrun the, the problems yeah. of our solutions. That's a good way to put it. We've but, outrun the problems. But yeah. but the solutions themselves are actually going to become a problem in themselves yeah. mm. and that will start to overtake us. And then we, we end up not just dealing with the problems, but we end up dealing with the problems from the solutions that yeah. we've created. And it starts to compound itself That's right. into even more chaos. Which yep. is very true, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say, and even on top of that, outside of solutions, there are many things that we think are fine now, but we discover, we will discover and have discovered if you look in history. Way further down the track is, oh, gee, that wasn't such a good idea. But at the time, it seemed perfectly mm. fine because of our limited knowledge yeah. at that particular right. point in time. And mm. so now we go back and try to undo a whole lot of stuff. And yeah. as you say, we're chasing our tail nine so, times out of ten, you know. Take out, take our lifestyle, for example. I mean, we, yeah, you know, exactly. and this is this sense of false security that we have because we enjoy, uh, in our context at least, uh, yeah. a very comfortable lifestyle. But that really depends. That lifestyle depends on this constant growth. You know that that has been experienced pretty much since colon- colonialization, the beginnings of the of 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 our, you know, that that kind of economic growth and uh, that sort of built the British Empire and built the whole economic system and not, not that I'm going to say much about that but it's, it's interesting because there's, there's so much that's I've read so much critique which I'm not going to try to describe um, because economics is such a complicated subject but one of the things that is uh, often pointed out is that this kind of growth that you know our, our whole culture depends on growth right and because if there's no gro- like what if there's no economic growth, what what happens to our superannuation? I mean, I, you know, I've got superannuation that grows like a certain percent every year. So let's just take that. Right? How mm. is that possible? Right? Mm. Well, it's possible. Is possible by, in a sense, us outrunning our problems to some extent. You know, we 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 continually expand and exploit and mm. uh, you know pull stuff out of the earth, and we you know and and you've got, but there's there's a point they're saying at which that growth is going to be completely unsustainable. Mm. I mean. Th- the, the, the world has only got so much resource and only so much space. I think there's two levels of growth there. One of them is we, we're, we're populating the earth, and I don't see mm. that stopping anytime soon. So our population is going to keep expanding. So naturally the economy has to, has to grow in yeah. order to support an ever-expanding population. So there's that. And then there's the growth that sits on top of that, which is our own greed which is in a, in the sense where it really comes out of our nature, which is to, well, to hoard and to take more for ourselves yeah. and to take off other people to protect our future. Yeah. You know, we want to secure our future, so we take more than we need and we hoard it and we, we want to pursue more pleasure and try to have the resources to defeat pain. Yeah. And, and so we've got this propensity to keep pursuing, yeah. taking a lot more than what we actually need. And so... 
I think there's some level of growth that's necessary and then above and beyond that were the problems. And, and can, I, can I say, I, I can't hear what you're saying now, but if we redistributed all of the wealth across the world, yeah. you know, a large part of the current economies of the world would be sustainable as they yeah. are. And I think it's the fact that it's a bit like you're saying, the political yeah. leaders, once you've got more, it's not enough. You want more yeah. and you want more. And we've got this massive misdistribution. I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of wealth across the world. And I think also just coming back to what you were saying before, Matt, what, what do we measure our success by? Because it seems to be we measure our success by the growth of our superannuation fund. Yeah. And, and if you think about superannuation, I, I remember working for a guy in a Christian organization who was so opposed to superannuation because he says, what, am I not trusting God for my future? Now, it's kind of like I'm going, oh, I think that's a bit irresponsible. But at the same time, you know, we are in many ways trying to look out for ourselves mm. rather than relying. If you think about the ancient mm. world, how much they simply relied on God for, mm. for everything. Yeah, that, it's finding that balance, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. And, and I, th- I think that there's a there's I mean, that's another topic. But, yeah, it is. I mean, th- there's a wisdom, there's a proverb that talks about, yes. you, know, the, uh, you know, storing up in the Correct. summer, storing up stuff for yeah, the winter yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Even... You know, a generation ago, and, and you know, we hear a lot about this. I mean, people were happy to live in houses where, mm. whereas kids, you shared rooms, and and but now almost yeah. everyone feels like it's it's really their right. And if 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 all my kids don't have rooms with en suites and walk in wardrobes, totally. yep. then somehow they're really deprived. You know, yeah. and if they if yep. they haven't all got an iPhone and a you know AirPods, and suddenly there's a sense that they're really deprived. I mean, honestly, and so we're building these bigger these houses that absolutely palatial, you know, and, and everyone feels like that's, but that's what they're about, owed in a I, way. Well, and I think it's also about significance. Mm. I think it's also about people wanting to be, I want to have a bigger house than, or at least the same size house as all my neighbours or my friends, or yeah. there's this constant comparative right. kind of... Feel successful. Yeah, to feel people successful. People want to feel successful. Yeah. And, and that's based on their, you know, comparative yeah. significance to others, you know. Yeah, I, I think the, the way the way that I illustrate it, and and because the core problem that we're identifying here is really human nature. You know, mm. it's it's the insatiable need for more and more and more, with the sense that you know there's a point at which we will have enough. But we know that it's it's never you know it's never the case, and you know never content with that. And it's also the power thing is really problematic. And of course, um, the the philosopher Nietzsche, he you know he described the human condition in terms of the will to power you know this is the thing that drives now he wanted to affirm that and so we just need to accept that and that's the way that it is and allow that it's full it's full reign as christians we would see that as sort of heart of the sinful nature in a way mm-hmm. it's that god complex now because of that human nature essentially and civilization really is you know we talked in an early episode about you know the first the building of cities initially and and the hoarding of resources and and this is mine and that's yours and all of that sort of way of thinking, you know, gets built up. And so our civilization in some ways has these foundations, the mine and yours, and I've got to have more than you. We've got to compare ourselves to each other. And, mm. and it's, it's a kind of, you know, there, there's a real selfishness and that, you know, this, what's become a natural human selfishness and, and, you know, greed and whatever. And, and that's not discounting, you know, elements of altruism and whatever, but, Essentially, then, our civilization is something like a, a building uh, that, you know, in some countries, you, you, they keep building other stories on buildings that weren't meant to have those stories. Mm. They, you know, it's, it's like we're building this building on this foundation that's just really compromised. But we think, but progress, to me, the myth of progress is that 
we just keep building better stories at the top, you know, and it's like they're heavier and there's more and, and we're, you know, and then cracks appear in the walls because the foundation keeps moving and, and, and so we get better at, at stopping up the cracks, yep. you know what I mean? And, mm. and we've got more powerful ways of sort of hiding the problem. Mm. But actually the whole thing, we can build better stories, but the whole thing is undermined by this foundation that's just bad and that's human nature. Yeah. There was a famous book that came out in the early 90s by Francis Fukuyama called The Last Man and the the End of History and the Last Man or The Last Man and the End of History where he said that after the fall of communism he 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 said this is the end of history in the sense of history understood as a this conflict between you know that that this state of conflict in the sense is going to be no significant wars or he felt that it, that was over. Now, now we're going to, you know, move into this sort of historyless mm-hmm. because nothing significant is going right. to happen. State, which okay. is going to be liberal democracy, is just going to, you know, the world is just going to be a series of liberal democracies, and I mean, maybe some insignificant corners where there's conflict, but yeah. largely liberal democracies where nothing really significant in terms of turmoil and tumult, international tumult, that, that's all over now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting mm-hmm. because that was in the early 90s. So, he, you know, he was declaring the end of history. It certainly feels like now that we're far from that, you know, yeah. Yeah. and we're feeling that vulnerability again. And so what we thought was, oh, we're finally the building's fixed. No, no, human nature is still there mm-hmm. and you still have a Vladimir Putin or a whoever else. They're always going to... You know, we're always going to get this phenomena that interrupts mm-hmm. our supposed utopia yeah. or trajectory towards utopia. There was a sense that we were heading there, I think. You don't have to go very far back in history at all. There's always that sense of having to expand your land, invade other countries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all of that's been settled. If all the countries have worked out where their yeah. borders are, that they kind of yeah. there's an acceptance of that. There's an international understanding of it. Mm. And <clears throat> I'm talking about not so much now because I think I just I, wonder though whether it's just that what's created that pause. I know you're going to go somewhere yeah. in a second. Was actually just the cost of war got too great. Yeah, because back back then you could mm. fight, and but oh, totally. now then the co- with nuclear weapons, it's like oh yeah, actually nobody nah, wants to go. It's there. not yeah. worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. there's a there is that. But we also have an international rule of law and yeah. and greater communication across the world. So True. you know we can kind of keep an eye on each other more, and it, it's not we don't have surprise invasions. That you know mm. there's mm. there's a whole lot of technology as well that's kind of. I think constrain things, and that's that's you know better and more powerful weapons and stuff to try to keep the peace. But but it certainly seems like now those old um, habits or the the old nature yeah. is is obviously it is actually still there. It's, it's still re- there. It's yeah. still and it's rising again. And know? so all of those things that you describe created this optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, as Francis Fukuyama describes. You know, this this oh we're there. You know, we're we're, mm. we're you know, the world is finally, you know, in, in this, the beginning of creating this utopia. And we're clearly, mm. you know, we're clearly not. And this is this false hope. And I think actually even Christians have this tendency, oh, no, it's going to be okay. You know, because we're so, we're so wedded to this lifestyle. Yeah. I don't think we can quite believe that this no. could ever be compromised. It's just yeah. so difficult We've to believe. We've got a whole generation of people 
probably several generations now have grown up with no sense of yeah. war, mm. no Just sense constant of that. stability. Yeah. And there's there's been economic prosperity and growth. And it's certainly for us tucked away, you know, yeah. in Australia, uh, we're kind of oblivious to the struggles of most of the world mm. just fighting for survival and food and yeah. local wars and the struggle for life. And so for many people, there has been a sense of utopia probably yeah. for a couple of generations yeah. anyway. It's almost like we're yeah. living in a pocket of history that certainly in recorded history has probably never really even existed before where there has been that sense of, yeah, yeah, that's right. of yeah. well-being where we can actually pursue something better for ourselves. Yeah, which is very problematic because – in a sense, what we lose in that is biblical hope. Because mm. biblical hope is formed by a sense that this is wrong and, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not going to trust in the world system in Romans 5 and, and again in Romans 8. You know, Paul talks about, you know, that suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. And then in Romans 8, this sense that hope is this the groaning, you know, he says, we who are filled with the Spirit groan inwardly as we as we anticipate the redemption the coming redemption that that hope really longed it it was created by the of very obvious corruption of of their system you know i mean i i've just come back from from kenya and and you know that the much less political stability there than we enjoy here and much higher level of corruption and it just feels insoluble you know it's this <laughs> sense of Man, uh, this just feels – how could this ever get – because, of course, human beings are not going to be able to resist corruption, you know. Mm. And so – and but I think a situation – it's interesting being in that situation. I was reminded again, oh, no, the biblical hope, actually, that we're not, we're not meant to hope in these political solutions. And here's an important point because actually moving into the topic of redemption, redemption – because the problem is ultimately the human heart. So that's, that's where redemption starts in the hearts of each individual person, right? And we individually, God calls us individually to begin to take a different trajectory and adopt a different hope, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually we're, we're distinguished by a different hope. Yeah. Than than the people than people of the world. Yet I think often you know a lot of Christians still ah yeah. oh, I think it's going to be a, like deep down we we do yeah. put our hope in the fact oh no it's going to be okay, whereas the Bible tells us that actually the first step of redemption in bringing about something new is the demolition of what's old. So while we're thinking you know ah oh, this story you know on of the top of the building that oh no this is great we're you know we're finally got that well actually the whole building's going to collapse yeah. and, yeah. and what we see in revelation is and and the world system there is characterized as babylon you know the famous cry in revelation fallen fallen is babylon mm. you know and it's talking about the whole world system mm. and the sense that the whole thing is going to come crashing down, leading to this final great battle. And, and you know, however we interpret that, I'm not going to get into yeah, interpretations yeah. of how that. But in general terms, things don't get better with the world system. Mm, <laughs> like, you, no. you know, look at the you know the beast out of the sea and the mm. beast from the earth and the and the you know the yeah. coming of the antichrist and the, and then the collapse of the you know um, of, of Babylon and 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 you know the the cry there is. You know, come out of her, my people. This is the the, the cry again in Revelation. Come out of her, mm. not you know, because we've got to be in the world, but come out of her in the sense of 
self-worth, significance, yeah, and security. You've yeah. got to yeah. rest yourself from hoping in the world yeah. system because yeah. you've got to remember that this is going to fall, right? Mm. So, yeah. so be prepared for the fact that this isn't going to go well with the world system. And that's difficult. I find that difficult, yeah. right? I find that difficult to think, oh, man, because I'm so used to this lifestyle and this comfort and I want my, you know, and even for our kids, you know, we want, yeah. and for our grandkids, you know, you're sort of, oh, man, I think yeah. you, you can start to get in this thing of worrying for them. Mm. Are they going to face difficult times ahead? Well, so, at some time in the future, absolutely, we're, we're going to move into a time uh, of, well, tribulation, yeah, you know, yeah. essentially, and you know, in very general terms, think things will heat up. And but you know, again, this brings me back. But what is it that I want most for my children? I want them to have the right hope. Yeah. You know, I yeah. want them to hope in the right thing. Yeah. And uh, and life is about purpose, and we're just got to remember that, right? This is a war zone. Life is about purpose. We're yeah. here for a moment. You know, it's the old illustration. We got dropped off in a helicopter. We're on mission. We're going to be picked up on the other side. I lose that because. You know, I have to remind myself of that because it's so easy. It's to unnatural lose. Like, mm. to us. I think yeah. na- what's na- what comes naturally is hope in the world system, yeah. in the world, because that's what we see and live in. It's what we experience every moment of yeah. the day. The na- and the natural thing for us is to to be part of the problem within the world system mm. yeah. as well. So, you know, like you can get the theory. I get what you're yeah. saying, and I understand the theory of it, but actually living it with that. I mean, like lots of conversations with Christians that, and listening to, to struggles where they've, the worries that we have as Christians, can, at least at a, at a philosophical level, we shouldn't be worrying about. Yeah. Um, because of what you just said there. Yeah. It's actually a mission. There, there is a world system. There is yeah. no hope in this. But yet most of our energy goes into worrying and stressing about and agonizing and securing our lifestyle and yeah. feeling as if we're entitled <laughs> yeah to a certain lifestyle and a certain level of prosperity and health and well-being and all of those sorts of things and if we don't have it so much of well most of our energy goes in into that mm. i think yeah. and it's, and as you say it's almost like you've really got to just yeah, really strained to get to to pull yourself out of that and go well there is another hope yeah. That's completely unnatural to me. Mm. And that to me is, I think this is where you're going with that, but it's the path of salvation means that we can't actually travel along the path that we want to go down, the one that's in us naturally, that's part of who we are, the agenda and the hope that we have for our lives is actually wrong and we need to get onto a a different one. Can I just jump in there because I'm going to break with tradition. I've read a book. As well, what? actually, just one. Jews read a book. I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> this was a book that really touched on that point for me many years ago. It, it's an older book by a guy called Selwyn Hughes called, you know, Christ Empowered Living. It challenged all those things. It, what are you putting yourself worth and what are you putting your significance and what are you putting your security in? And went right back to the fall because if you think at the start, all of this was about, oh, I want more. I can be like God. Mm. It, that's where it all Really yeah, began right. that whole point of like I want more and and that's going to be better for me, and that book really challenged my thinking around a whole lot of that mm. kind of where is my self worth and my security and my significance and yeah and this is where this is where Paul talks about us being saved by our hope. Mm. It, it helps us to understand like how are we saved by hope and he and and basically what he's saying is that 
hope is longing for what God is do- bringing about. And, and hope yeah. is created by the sense that this is wrong, right? The stronger sense, uh, the more you feel the groaning, you know, he talks about, and we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly along with creation. So all of creation groans, this is Roman chapter 8, all of creation groans and we ourselves groan inwardly, mm. who, you know, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So having the Spirit of God, you know, yes, there's, because we associate that with joy, right? And yes, there is, because Paul says, and we rejoice in our hope, right? Yeah. But hope comes from the groaning, which he says, you know, he identifies that groaning with hope subsequent to to that. Mm. So it's the creation getting in touch with with that sense of the brokenness of the world and in a sense, the hopelessness of the world. The more we encounter that uh, and the more we feel the pain of that, the more actually that can translate actually into hope in the right thing. Because it starts to wear us down. Well, bit, it, it, well, like well it. the false hope gets dashed. And, yeah. and the best thing that can happen to false hopes is that they get dashed, right? <laughs> but that's like the wearing down. It's like kind of going, well, I just can't achieve what I thought I could achieve. And it's just exhausting. And it's yeah. just, you start to give up but on that hope. Yeah. For as long as that burns, you know, you think, I can get there. I can, you'll keep racing towards it. There's almost a point where you kind of go, it's slipping away further and further from yeah. me and sort of like, well... Well, you, we, you know, lest anyone thinks that the answer to this is that we, uh, you know, we, we, we sell everything and we go and live in a cave, yeah. you know, in the desert um, and withdraw from society. No, actually, we are called to be witnesses of this greater hope. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we are part of society and that we're contributing to society and that we're seen mm-hmm. as being good citizens and, you know, because things are that the way that they are. But the, the, here the, the key thing is that we have a different hope and we are set apart by having that different hope, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, living for that mission and that purpose and, and so forth. And so part of that hope is, the, you know, it's this hope in redemption and it's also created by this sense of discontentment with the way that I am, with the way that we are, you know. I mean, Paul talks about the struggle with the sinful nature in um, in Romans chapter 7, and he says at the end of the, the chapter, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ, will deliver us from this body of death. So in other words, what goes for the whole of the world also goes for us individually we have to exp- before we can be raised up to new life. We have to experience death. That something has to be destroyed for something else to, you know, lifted. raised up, lifted up in its mm-hmm. place. And so uh, that's true of us. Our final redemption. Uh, what in Romans eight uh, twenty eight, Paul refers to it as our glorification. You know, those whom he called, he was justified, and and ultimately glorified. You know, that's. That's the perfection. It's beyond, you know, so we actually have to experience, death is not, you know, death is not the end of life. It's the beginning of life. It's the end of death. Like death is the end of death in a sense. It's the end of this corrupt existence uh, for us because we will all, as we've been saying, we will always be tainted by this. Mm -hmm. You know, our nature will always be as much as we grow and we, you know, we we seek to grow in faith and holiness and, and, and so forth. It, could all, it will always be able to be said what John in his first letter says, if you say that you are without sin, you deceive yourselves. Yeah. So, um, and 
it's the you know it's our death that is the final deliverance moment of deliverance because in death we experience resurrection in Jesus. Now it's the same thing with this world system. The world system is got to fall in order to rise again in order for a new world, a new heavens, and a new earth. Uh, depending on you, you can insert whatever bits of eschatology yep. you want there, millenniums and whatever. Yep. Yep. You insert it wherever you want, okay? Yep. But ultimately, you know, everyone agrees that yep. the ultimate goal is Revelation 21 and 22, mm-hmm. uh, the new heavens and the new earth. But for that to be brought about, there needs to be the death of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where things are going. We are going to face death and the world system is going to face death, but it's on the other side of that. And, you know, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul anticipates both with joy. Mm. He anticipates both mm. with joy. Mm. He yeah. says, it's, for me to, to, you know, for me to depart is gain. Is gain he says yep. in uh, Philippians chapter 1. He says, for me to live is Christ. He mm. says, it's better for you, he says to the Philippians. Yep. Uh, it's better for you that I stay, right? Um, it's for, that's for you. But, hey, if it's up to me, to, to be with Christ is gain. Yeah. Mm. Which is what our heart should be, really, and it's easy to say because I, I totally get what you're saying, Connell. We've, we're so conditioned to the way the world works, but yeah. th- that should be our way of living. It's like we're actually left here once we've made a decision for Christ because we yeah. can make a difference in the world. It's better for the yeah. world that we're here, the people yeah. around us, the people of our influence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why that's we're why, left here. That's right. That's why we need to be here. That's uh, right. Otherwise, if it was just about getting to eternity, yeah. why wouldn't God just take us to eternity the minute yeah. we're saved? You know, because, it's like because He actually yeah. wants us to make a difference in the world. Because there is a sense in this, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm measurably thinking about you know, as soon as you focus on, it's all going to fall, all of this is going to be wiped away. The, uh, our future hope is, you know, is not this world and this world system. It's all going to crumble. And so you you could take a response that says, well, all of this doesn't really matter what's happening now. My my mind, my the way that I live, the way that I think is all about, ah, oh, this world's already gone, finished with. I've only got a heavenly focus for the future. I see where and, you're going here. <laughs> and I know plenty of people who've got that. So might as well make that, hay while the sun shines as well. Because well, that's what they're <laughs> – but they become – so focused and yeah. so obsessed with that, it's mm. as if this life has no relevance anymore, yeah. and they almost attach themselves. Well, it, from well it, it, yeah, completely. There is that mission, and there is that singular. But I think what we also want to do is go. That's part of it, but we've also got to live here, and we've got to be shine the hope, yeah, yeah. Exactly. to other people. And yeah. I think it's because it, it can become easy to disengage from that and actually not be that hope anymore, and just live. For ourselves, for the well, for the future. The mm. fact that you almost give up on the world as it is, the 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 world, the life that you've got, you can kind of detach from. Yeah. That so we, we we need to we need to because dem- this the question might then uh, someone might raise the question. Okay, so uh, it's no use trying to do anything about yeah. climate change or or you know uh, we'll just fill the world with rubbish and chuck things into the sea and and pump chemicals in because it doesn't really matter. And because, and actually, yeah. the sooner we get there, the better, really. Yeah, yeah, sense. yeah. You know. <laughs> Whereas actually, no, our part of our mission is actually being the best version of of humanity that you know that that we can be and that God has called us to yeah. be, mm. and so demonstrating a better humanity involves actually living more responsibly, living more respectfully, 
uh, because the earth was created as God's temple where God would live in harmony with his people. And so we've got to start to actually demonstrate that level of respect. Mm. Uh, to You know, because, again, we, let's just get our kind of theology of redemption right here. Redemption doesn't mean an end of the space-time universe. Uh, that's a platonic that was... The platonic version of redemption where all physicality is destroyed and we float around in the heavens. Mm-hmm. What you find in scripture is a renewal of the earth. Mm. This this compurging, you know, everything's will be will be purred, burnt up. You know, he talks about heavens and the earth, actually the heavenly realms and the earth. Now that d- doesn't mean you're going to get rid of them. Uh, it it's it signifies this kind of radical purging and complete renewal. And so, like I said, you know, in the Garden of Eden, you get this sense that heaven and earth are one and the same, or that earth is some sense perhaps, you know, a physical facet of heaven or, you know, or something like that. And you get the same in Revelation. You get that, that reunification mm-hmm. of all things. And so you have this picture of this wonderful new heavenly earth. Uh, with human beings living in these res- perfect resurrected bodies, and so that's that's the goal. It's a very much, uh, very much an embodied goal. So we need to live in the world now as human beings restored to God with the right kind of hope, recognizing that you know that God is going to bring about this radical transformation of the earth. Um, in the meantime, we need to actually live in the present. We have a taste of the future in the present. Well, so we're so in the a, future is in the present, in a sense. We're in eternity now. Yeah, that's like, right. We stepped already, into eternal life now. That's we're right. already in there. And so we're a, already citizens of that and of the, that future. And the problem is the sense of it, we can focus on we're not in it now, but it's coming. So our hope is so far off in the future right. that we kind of disengage from the now. But <clears> in terms of our salvation, it started from the moment that we, you know, we accepted Christ. We we stepped into eternity at at yeah. that point. We're in it. Well, it's not in its fullness. We're now walking in it in parallel. And in a way, it's almost like we're walking in a parallel kind of dimension almost to to the reality that's that's going on around us. Yeah. We have to sort of walk in a sort of kind of a, it's almost, it's not another dimension, but you know what I mean? It's kind of another layer that God's calling us to walk in now. Yeah, Not that's in right. the future, but yeah, now. That's right. Here's, here's just a, a way of illustrating this, and, and we'll wind up uh, in a moment. It's something like redemption, the way it's pictured in the Scripture, is is because it's ultimately about who, who's in charge. It's, it's, it's Jesus becoming Lord over all the earth. It's, it's, it's the reestablishing of humanity's relationship with God and therefore humanity's relationship with each other and then perfect harmony on earth, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, the scope of redemption is, is, encompasses everything. You know, in the world, but it's depicted as a kind of regime, a radical regime change, like radical. I mean, you know, Paul talks about principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, and you know, so imagine, say, France during the Second World War when it was under the under Nazi rule. Right? It was, it was still France, but it was, and it, you know, it was a kind of province of Nazi Germany. It was ruled by Nazi Germany, and so, in some senses, unrecognizable. You know, thus the system was sort of unrecognizable as to what it was before. And in a way, it's a little bit like that, because as I as I look out upon the world, I, I see so much of the beauty of God's creation and so much to celebrate. There is so much goodness. There is so much beauty in the world. It's not all uh, – and this is the thing. It's not We're not looking at the world thinking, oh, this is all – you know, it's it's all pessimism. No, because actually we see the beauty of God's creation. We see 
reflections of that beauty in people and in music and art. And there's so much glory, right? There's so much glory here. Mm. And yet it's under the wrong regime. That's the problem. You know, That's you know, still the beauty of, of Paris and, and, the, and the, but it's all under the wrong regime. It's got like Nazi flags hanging, hanging up uh, on everything. And, and what the way it's depicted is, is there is going to be this, this radical regime change that is going to radically affect everything, you know. And I think that's a good way because it, it speaks to the, a sense of continuity as well. So we are now, we're like the rebellion, you know. Uh, we're like the underground because we are actually yeah. working for what is going to be when, the, when this regime, this mm-hmm. world system regime falls. Yeah. Uh, we're already preparing ourselves for the future now. Mm-hmm as the French resistance was doing and they've got the, you know, the, I I know that's, that's just an illustration, but actually we, we do have to live in that reality. Let's not join with the wrong system. Don't, Mm. you know, do not love the world. John says, don't get caught up in the, in the things of this world. Remember that you are the citizens of a future reality of a future kingdom of God and live accordingly. Be that, gentle, loving, gracious resistance that draws other people into that as well. It's that ability to live the future life in the present. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.